Howdy. This is Too Busy for Crypto. This podcast is for fans of cryptocurrency who want to increase their financial literacy and cryptocurrency literacy. I am not an expert. I am an enthusiast. This podcast is my hobby and is for education. This episode is titled Price Insurance. Two common forms of price insurance in legacy markets are futures contracts and options contracts. The average investor does not need a deep understanding of price insurance. A basic understanding of price insurance will help a regular person differentiate between financial concepts that make sense versus those that make no sense. This wisdom becomes very important when a crypto participant hears of legacy formats being applied to the crypto world. Corn futures make sense. Options for Apple stock make sense. S&P 500 index futures make sense but are not real futures. S&P 500 ETF options make sense and are real options. Bitcoin futures and Bitcoin options make no sense. Legacy finance always finds new ways to pile side bets and insurance on more side bets and insurance. The legacy system thrives on making a giant bowl of spaghetti and letting people believe there is more than two noodles in the bowl. I would describe futures on commodities and options as financialization. I would describe futures on cash and side bets on options as hyperfinancialization. Of course, many traders and firms make money in the legacy system, but that system is designed to extract money for the middlemen. Like any casino, there have to be some winners for the losers to keep coming back. While financialization may be normal for Wall Street and banks, it is a yellow flag in cryptocurrency. If you detect a complex system, like price insurance, being applied to cryptocurrency, then it is probably fake crypto that you are seeing. Real crypto is middleman resistant. Real crypto is based on power residing with any person who can sign an order to deliver units. This is relevant to futures and options, because these formats are also about delivering units. One immediate difference to remember is that cryptocurrency is based on one-sided transactions, but legacy transactions are never one-sided unless they involve sending physical cash with no return address. Central banks are in a mad dash to eliminate physical cash by any means possible. In coming years, cryptocurrency may be the only option for one-sided transactional power. I have just explained a simple way to frame a comparison between legacy finance products versus cryptocurrency without any familiarity of the specific product in question. Now to discuss price insurance. The outline of topics for this episode is Intro to Price Insurance What are Futures? What are Options? 
price insurance versus cryptocurrency. Let's begin. Intro to Price Insurance Who cares about price insurance? It matters because it is a major part of the derivatives market that people associate with the stock market. One might find price insurance products related to cryptocurrency. The two most common formats are options and futures. Credit default swaps are a form of insurance, but they are not price insurance. Futures and options approach price insurance in a slightly different way. Options are a security and a contract that allow a person to have the option to deliver or receive another underlying security at a specific price at an expiration date. Futures are a security and a contract to deliver an underlying commodity at a specific price at an expiration date. Futures govern physical delivery of commodities, and options govern electronic delivery of securities. Expiration dates are a key component of these price insurance contracts. What are futures? Futures were created to bring long-term stability to the market for agricultural commodities. Futures exist for a wide range of commodities, including metals and oil. The market problem that futures were created to solve is, during the delivery of agricultural commodities, there could be a tremendous amount of uncertainty between supply and demand over the months leading up to a market transaction at some price. Price is where supply and demand meet. The transaction involves delivery of a commodity in exchange for cash. Both the buyer and seller of a commodity might want to know, months before transacting, what the price would be, but neither party knows what will be the future market supply from sellers or the future market demand from buyers at the time of delivery. The earlier one tries to guess the price at the time of delivery, the more uncertainty there is about where the price will be. Traders like to model uncertainty with a statistical concept called standard deviation. Standard deviation is always based on the past. Trading models imply that the future is likely to resemble the past. Rapid and sudden deviations of trading from the implied expectations are called volatility. Standard deviation, the past implying the future, and volatility are concepts that traders use to manage trading strategies, but any notion that these statistical concepts help predict the future price of anything is a recipe for disaster. Instead, thinking about how supply and demand meet at a price is a much more simple and straightforward route to understanding price outcomes. Example A grocery store wants to sell pumpkins in October, so they need to buy pumpkins before October. The store knows, based on the previous year, that they would like to buy 1,000 pumpkins. The store would like to make a deal with a pumpkin farmer 
every November after Halloween to secure a deal for 1,000 pumpkins to be delivered in one year. If the grocery store waits until October to see what the price of pumpkins is, the price could be what it was last year, or the price could be very low or very high compared to last year. If this October, farmers made a lot of money selling pumpkins at a high price, then other farmers will decide to grow pumpkins. New farmers double the next year's supply. If the weather is also perfect, the yield of perfect pumpkins is double. The following October, farmers harvest four times the supply of pumpkins versus the previous year. If there is no collusion of pumpkin farmers in a cartel to fix the price, then the grocery stores will easily be able to offer one quarter of the price and get the same amount of pumpkins. The grocery stores benefit in year two, and the farmers make a quarter of their expected revenue. The farmers get disillusioned by their wrong expectations of price. The new farmers quit growing pumpkins. Supply gets cut in half back to year one levels. Storms and droughts wipe out three-fourths of all pumpkins right before harvest. Now, supply is one-eighth of year two and one-quarter of year one. Grocery stores, being run by humans, have short memories and are shocked by the price of pumpkins jumping eight times from year two to year three. In year three, the grocery store can buy less pumpkins and year one farmers do the same financially as year one. End of example. A regular delivery contract for pumpkins is an agreement between a buyer and a seller that the buyer will receive 1,000 pumpkins for a set price of $10,000 or $10 per pumpkin in the future. A futures contract is different from a regular investment contract because it is a security. A middleman creates a standard form contract that can serve as a delivery contract between any matchup of farmer and grocery store. Each standard form includes a description of the commodity subclass, such as grade or location. This is still an investment contract. This contract becomes a security when the middleman allows traders to buy, sell, and trade the standard delivery contracts that the traders did not originally sign and hold themselves. Signing a contract is called opening a contract. Ending a contract is called closing a contract. Opening and closing a contract involves creating or destroying an obligation. Trading a contract only changes who is obligated. Futures that trade cash and debt instead of real goods actually create and destroy money. This is called cash creation and redemption. This is a sign of a derivative that is totally disconnected from the underlying asset. Fake futures are disconnected. Real futures on underlying physical commodities and also options on underlying assets like stocks are directly connected to the trading of the underlying asset. Disconnected derivatives are always securities. Connected derivatives become a security when the contract itself becomes a commodity that can be traded by a middleman. 
When something becomes financialized, it is like when something is tokenized in crypto. Financialization is a tradable representation of something. When middlemen are involved, it is safe to assume a financialized thing is a security. A security is actually an insecurity. It means money has been put down in exchange for something with the hope that the money can be reclaimed by reversing the trade. Futures middlemen are often the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, CME Group, or Intercontinental Exchange, ICE. There is an interesting book on how futures trading first came to America called The Futures by Emily Lambert. Futures existed for rice in medieval Japan and later during the British Empire. Futures trading in America was originally for commodities like corn. These days, legacy finance will make a futures contract for anything, real or fake. For now, I will focus on futures contracts for real commodities. Futures can be traded, for example, among farmers or grocery stores who are set up to deliver or receive goods. Or futures can be traded by traders working on Wall Street or living in a downtown apartment who will not be able to deliver or receive. The three components of a futures contract is that 1. A good will be delivered, 2. A payment will be received, and 3. The exchange happens at a time and place. Time and place may be at or soon after the expiration date. Futures are insurance. They insure the price for goods being delivered at a particular time. The idea of the futures market is that it will even out supply and demand over successive deliveries or seasons. If a large enough portion of farmers and grocery stores agree to the price per quantity a year ahead of time, year after year, then the supply whiplash and demand whiplash are reduced, which reduces price whiplash. Both buyers and sellers give up some transaction freedom for some transaction certainty. They trade risk with each other in exchange for more certainty. They force themselves to transact at an agreed price instead of a whimsical market price. People and businesses value certainty, which means they are willing to pay to transfer risk. Insurance is the business of risk transfer. The farmer is insured that there will be a minimum price and maximum supply, and the grocery store is insured that there will be a maximum price and minimum supply. The Benefits of Paying to Transfer Risk If farmers have a giant growing season, those with futures contracts are protected from price falling due to increased supply. Farmers can use the extra money in good years to invest in their own operation. Maybe a farmer invests in water storage and watering devices that increases yield in a drought, thereby reducing loss during a bad year and making good years more profitable. 
This may create a slight increase in supply over time that leads to a slower increase in prices over time, which benefits the consumer. That assumes a stable currency value. Let us not forget that prices will always increase, independent of supply and demand, because we operate in a fiat currency system, where private central banks like the Federal Reserve and their member banks can print dollars to infinity for themselves and for government, which steals the value of the dollars in our pockets. This constant devaluation of our unbacked currency leads to price increases for all things denominated in dollars regardless of the supply or demand of assets. The supply of dollars is always increasing at an absurd rate, except during temporary contractions of the money supply, which are a means to engineer recessions and create the famous boom-and-bust cycle. Back to futures. In the secondary market, which is any middleman market like the stock market, a trader or middleman must unload any futures contracts they hold where they cannot deliver or receive goods in the contract. It is one thing to only have to transfer cash. It is another thing to have to deliver or receive hundreds of cows on train cars or oil in a pipeline storage facility or trucks full of grain or metals or whatever. This is the true spirit of a future. Legacy markets will always allow many products to be called futures that do not deliver physical goods. In many cases, their objectives are to make fees, require leverage, and to convince you that you are too dumb to understand them. Example. The E-mini S&P 500 futures contract that is listed by CME Group is a fake future. The E-mini takes the index price, which is not a real thing, and multiplies it by $50 to get a futures contract price. The contract is a continuous futures contract. It is all cash settlement. A delivery month is designated. For E-mini, it is the quarter and months. A delivery day is designated, for E-mini, the third Friday of that month. The delivery price is the price at a certain range of 30 seconds on the delivery day. When you hold the contract, you must settle up four times a year on the settlement date, and then the contract rolls on to the next date. Futures allow leverage, which means you need the full nominal cash value in your account not just what you spent to hold the contract. This is a serious financial product with a giant worldwide market that trades almost 24 hours a day. Since it is all cash, it is a fake future. It is like sports betting on a score and you must settle up at the end of the game, which is every quarter. It is a futures product and trades in the futures market because futures market makers want a product to trade in their market, where they get all the fees and liquidations and trading volume. Some exchanges focus on stocks, some on options, some on futures, which is why each exchange wants to make a market for as many things as possible. Exchanges also get to sell trading data called order flow. 
lots of dollars, real consequences, but a twisted definition in order to make a market. Real futures are price insurance on real goods with physical delivery. Fake futures are cash-only sports bets on the score of a game. When I say real or fake, that has to do with does it hold up to the spirit of the definition rather than is it actually a thing that exists. At market scale, the futures contract can be a stabilizing or destabilizing force beyond the simple price agreement. Many people who have made an agreement will choose to act in a manner that makes real prices closer to contract prices. This stabilizing force is like an automatic reaction. Many people who seek profit off of price differences engage in arbitrage, whether they are involved in affecting the prices or not. Arbitrage is a neutral activity. A few people will choose to make prices of real goods different from contract prices. This destabilizing force is deliberate. Those who attempt to alter real prices often engage in manipulating demand or manipulating supply or both. Demand can be manipulated with news stories or business reports. Some reports may appear dry and massage numbers. This is a tactic common to economists. News outlets often engage in hype or fear. Stock touts are businesses that talk about the market and are paid by market operators like hedge funds to manipulate perception and demand about specific products. Stock touts are often portrayed as news, but they are stealth marketing to manipulate sentiment and trading. Stock touts can be accurate sources of information for the portion of articles where they are not being paid to manipulate sentiment. If you read the disclaimer page of a financial news site, you might find a disclosure that they are a stock tout. Supply can be manipulated either by controlling the valve on a release of inventory or by engaging in supply destruction. Some obvious forms of supply destruction would be burning down a business, burning farmland, burning storage facilities, derailing trains, sabotaging pipelines, slowing port activity, or killing a bunch of livestock. Supply destruction does not require intent. It is simply any event that reduces the formation, storage, or delivery of supply. Controlling the valve on the release of inventory is a common tactic perfected by De Beers, who hoards the majority of the diamond supply and controls the price by controlling what is available for sale. That is the end of What are Futures? Now, what are Options? An options contract is not ever based on a physical delivery. It is based on electronic delivery. It is trading paper or trading signatures. Whereas a real futures contract is the securitization of a delivery of real goods, an options contract is the securitization of a delivery of another security like a stock. One may often hear the term stock option. That is an option contract that gives the holder the right to buy or sell a number of units of specific stock at a specific price at an expiration date. Options are different from fake futures. 
Fake futures only deliver cash and are like sports bets. Options deliver securities. Futures and options are created and destroyed by the acts of opening and closing the contract. An open contract could theoretically be bought and sold infinity times before it is closed, if only the signature is changed. Typically, any trade or editing of an option means the contract is closed and a new contract is opened. Opening and closing a contract, or buying and selling the contract, is similar to buying and selling the underlying asset. That similarity is called exposure. Exposure means that the derivative asset that you own gains or loses value when the underlying asset that you don't own gains or loses value. An open option contract can be bought or sold, and the contract itself dictates a buy or sell at expiration. One may buy a sell option, called a put. One may sell a buy option, called a call. Call options are a right to buy the stock, and put options are a right to sell the stock. In non-technical terms, an option buyer pays an insurance payment in order to have optionality. An option seller receives an insurance payment and receives risk from the option buyer. An option buyer or option seller can open an option contract. In this example, it is more accurate to call the option seller the insurer and the option buyer the insured. They are both opening their side of an insurance contract called an option. If the broker middleman who draws up the contract has no other customer on hand to act as the counterparty, then the broker assumes the role of counterparty. Although the industry will dance around the question of ownership, it is probably wise to assume that the middleman is the owner of all assets and all contracts on assets until someone has to pay up, and then the middleman will extract the payment from a customer who had asked to open or hold a contract. In theory, the execution of an option contract means that someone who holds 100 units of stock is transferring those units to another person at the expiration date. In reality, middlemen act like bookies, acting as the counterparty to all options. The bookie collects signatures of buyers and sellers for the options contracts, at the time of expiration, the bookie matches the signatures to each other and acts as the counterparty for the remainder. If you know about the DTCC, Depository Trust Clearing Corporation, or its subsidiary, the OCC, Options Clearing Corporation, you know that they own all the securities and they only change the signature of the beneficial owner on any transaction. Although options contracts involve the buying and selling of securities, the buying and selling of securities like stocks is as simple as changing the signature of beneficial owner on a security contract that is owned by the DTCC. Options are a layer of securities that are held by the administrative layer called the OCC. Great. So, why do options exist? Options are price insurance. Any person can buy or sell this insurance if their brokerage account is approved to do so. 
In many cases, one tells the broker that he knows what options are, that he is seeking extreme risk, and that he has enough liquid assets to cover being liquidated. The broker might allow basic options to be bought or sold without a margin account. Some brokers only allow margin accounts. A margin account is an investment cash account with an attached line of credit that is designed to fatten up traders for slaughter. When a trader has a large enough cash account and margin account with a broker to qualify, the broker will let the trader buy or sell infinite risk options or complex options. Complex options are bundles of options. Each option in the bundle is called a leg. What bookies want is for traders to buy or sell many options. To bookies, individual options are good, but bundles of legs are better. Each option leg has its own fee. If a trader wants to change a complex option, he must pay fees on each leg. Infinite risk options are what can really wreck traders. An example of an infinite risk option is a naked put. A naked put is where a person buys insurance to sell shares of a stock that they do not own. This is one method of short selling. It is infinite risk because if the stock price never drops below the put option price, then the buyer takes a loss on the difference at whatever price the stock costs because the stock has to be purchased to be transferred by the put option when the put option expires. Think that's complicated? That's only the beginning in the option world. If a trader with no cash gets on the wrong side of a naked option at expiration, the broker liquidates whatever assets of the trader that they feel like liquidating to make up the loss plus overdraft fees. That is all on types of options. The key element of an option is that it is a type of insurance contract that anyone can buy or sell. Anyone can sell an option. Anyone can sell price insurance. An option contract is created when a person says they will take on someone else's risk in exchange for an insurance premium. This is pure insurance, the transference of risk along with a payment called a premium. The option seller keeps the premium. The option buyer does not get the premium back. Both the buyer and seller can make profit or loss by closing their side of the contract. The bookie is always there ready to accept a fee to open or close a contract. The premium is always just enough to entice a trader to act as an insurer. If the insurer closes or sells the contract, they will essentially lose the profit of the premium in the price spread that the broker offers between buyers and sellers. To close an option that was sold, an insurer basically has to buy out their own option. A price spread is the same as a fee in practice. The bid-ask spread offered by the middleman is always slightly greater than the risk premium. Another important aspect of an option is that it also acts as a leveraged product. That means there is a difference between the price paid to open or close the option 
and the notional value that the option controls. For commoners, known as retail investors, an option governs 100 units of stock. The option is priced at the stock price. If a stock is $50, then the option governs 100 units for a notional value of $5,000. But the option only costs $50 up front plus a fee. 1% down now, but 100% at expiration. This is leverage. Leverage is a form of debt. Traders must agree that brokers can liquidate all their holdings and come after them for everything if the trader opens contracts that he can't afford at expiration. Whether the trader is the insurer or the insured, the trader takes on 100x debt leverage when he holds an option. Futures trading also involves leverage, but leverage is not fundamental to the concept of a future. Leverage is fundamental to the concept of an option. Options for regular people, known as retail investors, are a unique way to make money selling insurance premiums while playing the stock market. It is a common entry point for commoners to enter the derivatives market. Once people get a taste of leverage, they may want to move up to trading futures or even getting into currency markets called foreign exchange, or FX. Without caution, patience, and a big bag of cash ready for liquidations, regular traders will get wrecked. Going into one of these markets with less than $100,000 makes one a hobbyist. A day trader must trade often and have enough cash to qualify for day trading. Regular traders must wait one or two days for securities trades to settle. Day traders can move fast. They are allowed to stack unsettled trades because of their day trading status and margin account. The more a trader gets into trading fast and trading on leverage, the higher their house of cards. Commoners also have to worry about the wash sale tax rule. Institutions are more insulated from liquidations and tax liabilities. So it is much harder for a trading firm to go down. Also, institutions don't sleep. People have to sleep. When commoners trade derivatives on their own time and own dime, they may find themselves putting way more time into the process than the profit is worth. That was the intro to options. Now, price insurance versus cryptocurrency. Real cryptocurrency is when a person knows the private approval code to reassign token digits from one public address to another public address on a network spreadsheet called a blockchain. Fake crypto is when a person must rely on another person's approval code. Anything with a middleman is fake crypto. Centralized exchanges are fake crypto. Anyone that utters the word custody is talking about fake crypto. There are some functions in real crypto that appear like middlemen, but they are actually protocols that each person is running on their own, such as a decentralized exchange router, or maybe a staking function. 
price insurance in the legacy industry always involves middlemen. Legacy brokers are the same as centralized exchanges in fake crypto. Although it is theoretically possible to create a smart contract system that operates some form of price insurance in real crypto, the chances of that happening successfully are low. It would be a feat of engineering and probably not enjoyable to use. Middlemen run price insurance markets because people want to get in and get out of contracts rapidly. Liquidity means that a pool of buyers and sellers are ready to be matched up. In real crypto, a smart contract called a DEX, or Decentralized Exchange, can act as a router for liquidity pools. Liquidity in a price insurance market is different, because the things being bought and sold are promises for delivery. Delivery of what? Delivery of crypto? Promises and crypto seldom go together, if ever. When an investor holds an option contract at expiration, the broker changes the contents of the investor's account. If the investor is sound, then the broker adds stocks, or removes stocks from the investor to complete the option. If the investor is unsound, the broker removes cash or sells other assets in the account at current value plus fees to cover the option value. Simply try to imagine how someone could offer price insurance to real cryptocurrency. It is one thing if Sally wants to send Billy tokens. Anyone can send Billy anything. He can't stop it. But Sally cannot extract tokens from Billy. No one can extract tokens from Billy. Imagine delayed delivery. Sally and Billy agree that in one week, Billy will deliver tokens to Sally's public address by an exact time. Blockchains operate in blocks. Only so many transactions fit in a block. Billy cannot guarantee his transaction will be in any particular block. Billy cannot know the gas fee required to add his transaction to any block in the future. Billy cannot approve the transaction unless he is there in person with the approval code or he has a sophisticated program to approve delivery for him. Middlemen often assume the counterparty risk for many small price insurance transactions. Cryptocurrency is about eliminating middlemen and counterparty risk entirely. If there is any question about the delivery of a crypto token, that is counterparty risk. My objective for this episode is not just to provide information on price insurance and futures and options. My objective is also to point out that a crypto participant should be very skeptical of any claim that a price insurance system exists in crypto. It is most likely some form of fake crypto. Let's consider legacy markets. Legacy entities are happy to create Bitcoin futures and Ethereum futures, and whatever other names of things from which they can extract fees and liquidations. Is it possible to have a Bitcoin future or Ethereum future? If you mean delivery of a real cryptocurrency token, then no, it is not possible at this time. 
What are these futures products? Most likely, they are sports bets based on a score, and that score is the current market price of a token that is listed on a centralized exchange like a coin bank. The people issuing the futures contract may not even hold any tokens themselves. It could all be trading paper. The question to ask is, is anyone delivering anything to anyone? What happens when a paper derivative market becomes 10 times larger than the real market? It is hard to say exactly, but one may assume that a sufficiently larger derivatives market can be used to control the underlying market, assuming there is some arbitrage occurring with the real commodity. It is well known that the metals market is manipulated and has been for a long time. Gold and silver are nowhere near the value that they should have in a free market. They have not kept up with currency devaluation. Big banks pay tiny fines compared to the massive profits they make manipulating the market. There is no incentive or authority to stop them. Being happy about Bitcoin futures or Ethereum futures is not necessarily a pro-crypto position. It could be anti-crypto. If a person or entity is not buying the actual thing and delivering the actual thing in every instance, then it is a paper market. Whatever is business as usual on Wall Street is generally not compatible with crypto. There can be some instances where a derivative helps a token. A derivative that buys and holds and never sells can be helpful. Crypto is about having a thing and delivering a thing with no counterparty risk and no reversibility. To be precise, no person has anything. All tokens are tagged with a public address and all tokens exist on the blockchain on the internet. The only thing a person ever really has is knowledge of an approval code that is associated with an address that allows a send from that address. Remember that the people who don't want crypto to supplant fiat currency and central banks are the same people who want to convince you that crypto is just another thing like everything else. Real crypto is not like anything else. It is up to you to decipher the difference. This episode has been Price Insurance. I hope my discussion helps you to better understand or articulate some of these ideas. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day.